Has anything like that ever appeared in human history? There's nothing like it. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. The iron curtain between East Germany and West Berlin has come tumbling down. Good evening. It's a killing that's shaking Montreal's underworld. A man known as the Godfather. Hello. Welcome to the second episode of this uh, two-parter about McCarthyism. Um, I'm really fucking hungover, so I don't remember what we talked about the last last episode. I know we talked about early McCarthy shit. I don't know, what did we talk about on the last episode? I don't even remember where we got. I know today we're talking about some Hollywood shit. We're talking about fucking Hollywood. We're talking about some actors and their bitch-assness. We're talking about spies. We're talking about... All types of crazy shit, man. What did we talk about last week? What was in the first part? What was in the first part? Oh, yeah, we did, went over, like, the original Red Scare that happened in, like, 1919, 1920, after World War I. Um, UAC, Franklin D. Roosevelt, New Deal, President Harry S. Truman. So, uh, yeah, that was the first episode. If you didn't listen to it, this episode's not really going to make sense. So you should go back, listen to part one, then come back and listen to part two. Because you just go and watch The Godfather Part Two. Sure, it's a good time, and you're going to enjoy yourself for, what is it, three and a half hours? But you know what? If you never saw the first one, like, do you know what's going on? Do you know what's happening? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. So go back, listen to that shit, and then come back, and I'll see you in a bit, okay? We're going to talk about some Hollywood fucking idiots. Let's, let's get into the Hollywood people. Hollywood people, actors suck. Let's do this. The Hollywood Blacklist. In the 1930s, many Hollywood intellectuals, or as I would call them, pedophiles, you know, intellectuals, Hollywood intellectuals, are there any... Are there really any Hollywood intellectuals? Has there ever been? No, just pedophiles. That's code name for pedophiles, at least in my experience, that means pedophile. If somebody says Hollywood intellectual, it means pedophile. If somebody is like, you know, be Nick Poets, there was just a bunch of intellectuals. It's like, yeah, that's why they had a pedophile island in South America. Sure, yeah, you know, they do that. But anyways, you know, many Hollywood intellectuals we're sympathetic to Soviet communism, you know? Some even straight up joined the Communist Party. Like, they're just like, yeah, we're fucking communists. We're communists for that boy pussy. That's what we're communists for. I am a communist for boy pussy. I want whoever... I don't know who's who was a young boy back in... Who then? I don't know, the kid from Shane... That's what he wants to do. He, I want to fuck the kid from Shane. You don't want to fuck Shane? You want to fuck the kid from Shane? It's like, yeah, I want to fuck the kid from Shane. It's like, you're fucking Hollywood pedophile. Communist pedophiles. They're, they're a crazy breed. Crazy breed of motherfuckers. Okay? <clears throat> so, they straight up joined the Communist Party. In World War II, 
had further validated their leftist views. And ever since, ever since these fucking commies, intellectuals in Hollywood, you know, they're like, World War Two. this is, see, this is why, this is why we can't, Nazis, you know, we gotta be commies. And then the FBI and the government began keeping tabs on what was going on in Hollywood. Basically, they're like, these guys... They were so close to realizing they were pedophiles. They were so close, but, like, they got the commie, and they're like, they're commies. This is, we got to take them down. If they stuck around and did a little more research, to be like, they are commies, but they're also fucking kids. But they never got that far, so they just stuck with the commie part. So, it, it sucks. But, anyways... So the FBI is keeping track of their shit now because they don't trust Hollywood, as no one should, you know. In May 1947, a number of individuals working in Hollywood, notably director Leo McCary, known for being the director of Duck Soup, which is ironically a Marx Brothers movie. Get it? You know, Marx, Marxist, Marxism, Marx Brothers, you know, fucking, man, that's a really good that's a really good Marxist joke, you know? So this guy, he starts fucking ratting out commies because even though he worked with the Marx Brothers, not a fan of Marxism. Crazy, 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 crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff, you know? So in secret interviews, McCary and others declared that they were willing to name people working in Hollywood that had communist ties so they're just like, yeah, uh, we're going to rat out these pussies. So let's get these fucking pussies. So in September 1947, HUAC set out to prove that the Screenwriters Guild of America was predominantly communist. So basically they're like, screenwriters are communists. People that join guilds and unions are communists. So the Screenwriters Guild, that's 100% communist. And... You know, they're pretty close. That's a pretty good fucking guess. You know, if you're using basic commie math, you're 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 there. If the commie math adds up. You put, you know, you put a communist as a screenwriter, you put unit the commie math adds up, so then you get the perfect QWAC answer, okay? You know, X plus X equals fuck you, you're going in jail, you commie die pig. Okay? Fuck you. So the guild was attacked in a way reminiscent of the first Red Scare in 1919-1920. So, 43 witnesses were subpoenaed by HEWAC. The 43 witnesses were then divided into two categories, basically. You know, know, what does that sound like? You know, this is is also during... This is during Nazi Germany. (laughs) And they're dividing people up. Hmm. Very sketchy. Very, very sketchy. So, they divide them up in two categories. One is the friendly witnesses, and the other is the unfriendly witnesses. The friendly witnesses included stars like fucking boring-ass Gary Cooper from his fucking bitch-ass High Noon. Because that movie's... Okay, Gary Cooper's a fucking bitch, okay? High Noon is about him being a bitch and just being a bitch the whole time. And at the end of the movie, he's still a bitch. And the whole time, you're like, the bandit should rob this town and kick his bitch ass because he's a bitch. And High Noon is looked at one of the greatest westerns of all time. And in my mind, it is the greatest story of a bitch ass piece of shit ever told. So it's kind of ironic that Gary Cooper 
and like from High Noon and Joe McCarthy are in the same story. You know, kind of kind of works out. So b- boring as Gary Cooper is one of the witnesses. That's a friendly witness, as is future super bitch ass, super fucking just asshole, one of the biggest bitches ever, President Ronald Reagan. Yeah, when he was still a bitch ass actor, before he was a bitch ass president, he was also a bitch ass rat. So there you go. They worried, these actors, these fucking actors, man, they're such, such pieces of shit. They're like, they worried that the films and the scripts were uh, a little too left for their liking. They're like, you know, you know, these these movies, they're fucking, they're too fucking, who's writing these, commies? Who's uh, the fucking commies writing these? And then he acts like, yeah, commies are writing these. They're like, whoa, whoa, you mean commies are writing movies? Commies write movies now? What do you mean? I thought they just, I thought commies get potato. You know, remember the potato? No, they, they, now they're writing? Whoa, whoa, what, and they speak English. These, because the movies I'm getting, they're in English, but it's not in commie language. They're like, the communists can speak English. They're like, whoa, whoa, what? What? And they're like, Ronald, how do you not understand this? Do you, you read, what, are you illiterate? He's like, whoa, just back off now. I'm an actor here. I'm not a fucking reader here. You know, what the fuck do I know? Ronald Reagan, president, 1980, 1988. <laughs> so fucking, uh, so who knows? Who knows? So, so they're like, yeah, shit's too left. But then they're talking about like films like Mission to Moscow from 1943, which is a film about Americans and Soviets working together during World War II, you know, which I guess is essentially Hewak's nightmare. They're like, we're working with the commies. This is crazy. We're working with the commies. I'm not working with no commies. I don't want to work with the commies. This is crazy. And there's a movie about us working with the commies. This is crazy. It's like, well, you did work with the commies. So, you know, if, you know, you guys weren't just both dicks, if, if America and the Soviet Union, if they just weren't dicks, they could have just been like, Hey, instead of fucking being like, Hey, let's both just like be dicks. And we're like, hey, let's not be dicks. And they made a very strong effort to not be dicks the whole time. You know, maybe Mission to Moscow would be, you know, that's something that would happen a lot where we'd step in and be like, hell yeah, we're helping Russia. But no, we've been dicks and it's it's a big dick battle. So whatever. And um, other movies like Song of Russia, also from 1943, which is a dumb romance about an American in love with a Soviet and then they're in, like, Soviet area, and then the Germans come in. They're like, Nazis, ah, boo. You know, like, then that movie sucks. Okay, I understand why they want to cancel that movie. That movie sucks. That's a fucking stupid movie. Nobody, that movie's stupid. That's dumber than Casablanca. That's fucking, that is basically just Casablanca, but they're like, um, we're in Russia instead of Casablanca. Isn't that crazy? Whoa. Whoa. And then lastly, the movie Days of Glory from 1944, a film starring Americans playing Russians who defeat the Nazis. You know, so, I don't know. Those are three examples of movies that they gave. And they're like, these are movies we don't like. I think in their case, arguably, they're, if, they're, if their presentation was, these are shitty movies. Look, these are shitty movies. How about we just... Don't make movies about Russia because all the movies that we're making about Russia's and the Soviets are fucking shitty. And then if that was their argument, I'd be like, 
okay, motion to pass this because, yes, these are shitty movies and we should stop making these movies. Let's stop making these movies. So maybe they were on to something. Maybe they were on to something. So that's what the friendly witnesses were talking about. They were just talking movies. They were basically, basically just being fucking prissy little cunts about movies. They're just being film critics. They're like, I don't like movies about Soviet people. It's like, maybe that says more about you than it does the movies and the people writing them, huh? Maybe you're a judgmental prick, okay? See, I know I wouldn't like the movie, so I'm not going to go see it. You know, I'm not going to go seek out those movies. But if you see a movie and it's called Song of Russia and you're like, you know what? I don't like Russia. Maybe don't go see the movie called Song of Russia. It's that simple, Ronald Reagan. Sir President, sir, you fucking idiot. So, anyways, whatever. So, <clears throat> the unfriendly group of witnesses were the screenwriters in question. You know, most of them never got the opportunity to give their side of the story. However, there were 10 of the unfriendly witnesses that did testify. And they became known as the Hollywood Ten. The ten unfriendly witnesses who testified, they had their careers fucking just shit on. Okay, their careers collapsed, they're left for dead, basically. Producers were like, nah, fuck you, they're blackballed. They ain't they ain't doing shit, okay? So they're not doing fuck all. The Hollywood Ten includes screenwriters such as John Howard Lawson, Dalton Trumbo, Albert Maltz. Alva Bessie, Samuel Ornitz, Herbert Biberman, Ringladner, what is this? I guess I fucked up a name somewhere. Lester Cole, you can look it up, okay? I don't have to fuck it. Director Edward Dimtrick and producer Adrian Scott, okay? Sorry, I missed, I fucked up one guy's name apparently. Right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. Yeah, I fucked up one guy's name. I accidentally deleted his first name. So something Ringladner Jr. Mr. Ring... Sir? Yes, of course it's a sir. The women didn't write movies back then. They weren't allowed to. You women, you can do anything back in Hollywood. So, whatever. So Ringladner dude, he's, he's that guy. Okay? Or, yeah, wait. One, two, three, four, five, six... Eight, nine, yeah. Anyways, so none of them could work in Hollywood. None of these motherfuckers could work. Like, Dalton Trumbull, he managed to get shit because he used under a different pen name or he was uncredited. And, like, he actually managed to write classics such as The Brave One in 1956, which he won an Oscar for under a pen name, and Spartacus in 1960, which was also much, like, these movies were also coming out after the decline of McCarthyism, but Hollywood was still, once these people got blackballed, they never really were able to come back. They were never really able to come back, which has proven, like, even Elia Kazan, who was a filmmaker who uh, did, like, On the Waterfront and other shit, um, he was blackballed, and then when he got a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Academy Awards in, like, 1999-2000, even then, Americans were still booing him because they were like, this is a commie fucking bastard. And it's like, dude, what the fuck? And it's like, you guys, all of you yell his movie lines, so 
Go fuck yourselves, you fucking pussies. So, no, no. Some guy, Dalton Trumbo had some success. There's a movie out. You can watch the movie Trumbo where Brian Cranston plays him. And he just, it's cool. He sits in a bathtub and he types away and da bidi bop bop bidi bop bop There's also a scene in the, uh, the Coen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar, where somebody kidnaps George Clooney's character and he ends up at one of these, uh, like, communist meetings, I'm pretty sure. And I'm pretty sure it's essentially supposed to be the Hollywood 10. It's the Coen Brothers movie. They have nice little references. They're smart Jewish men, so... I don't know why I went Jewish. These Jewish men are making good movies now. But they broke up, and they're no longer a team, and now one of them's making Lady Macbeth by himself, or is it just a tragedy? I don't know, he's making a Macbeth story, but it's just one Cohen brother. It doesn't make sense. There's supposed to be two. It's brothers. That inherently means more than one. You get the fucking point. So, you know, and even during... So, getting back. During this time, even, like, Hollywood favorites, such as, like, Humphrey Bogart... Frank Sinatra, and Orson Welles, you know, those dudes are fucking huge. Like, Humphrey Bogart, everybody's like, hey, play the gun, Sam, huh? He's looking at you, huh? You know, from fucking shitty Casablanca. You know, whatever. And then Frank Sinatra, he's all fucking whatever Frank Sinatra does. He's singing this song. He's like, hey, somebody should, or whatever Frank Sinatra. And then Orson Welles is just like, Rosebud, oh, I will become a very fat piece of shit and die. And you're like, you will, but you made some good stuff, so good job. So they, 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 people love these guys, and even they founded the committee for the First Amendment as a defense for their fellow unfriendly Hollywood peers. So these were people that were sort of like so big, they were just like, and they were able to sort of say the thing like, Hey, I'm not a fucking commie either, but like, hey, let's not fucking fuck everyone else up, okay? Let's not ruin everyone else's life just because we think that they voted for the shitty party. Yeah, the Communist Party's the shitty party, but like, you know, let's not fuck fuck everything over just because they voted for the shitty party. You know, there could be worse things, and then people are like, you know what? That's a fucking stupid thing to say, Humphrey Bogart, but as a person that has only ever gotten a blowjob during your movie Casablanca. That was the only blowjob I ever got in my life, you see? You see? You brought a blowjob upon my loins. You made a woman get down onto her knees and perform fellatio on me, and for that I am ever eternally grateful. You know, so even though I think you are defending the communists, I must say, I fucking hate you, but I love you and I respect you. And for that, I will not, I will not change my opinion of you. However, I think you're wrong, and these communists must die. You know, but, uh, so obviously, this backfired, as the fear of communism was alive and well in America. You know, people didn't care about art. Orson Welles could just be like, You you keep saying Rosebud, Rosebud, you want Rosebud. Rosebud, you love my art, you love my art, you love everything I do, you love Touch of Evil. And they're like, yeah, we love that shit, but we don't like commies. Unless, unless, it's a badass spy movie. Because spy movies 
are fucking awesome, man. So let's fucking get into it. Let's get into the fucking spies right now. Spies and the Elder Miss case. On August 3rd, 1948, Whitaker Chambers, a former Communist Party member, appeared before HUAC to declare that government official and lawyer Alger Hiss was a Soviet spy. Yes, you, you heard that correctly. A former Communist Party member went in front of HUAC and said another dude was a fucking spy. You know, Chambers had previously been a member of the Communist Party and even worked as a Soviet spy throughout the 1930s before becoming a journalist for Time magazine in 1939. That's right. He's a fucking double agent. Buddy was a fucking double agent. He what dude's a double agent and a journalist? This is crazy. There's fucking double agents in 1930. What is this? What is this? Is this this crazy... Is this the James Spader show? Is that what's going on? Is this that James Spader show? Is that what Blacklist is about? Is that what the show's about? I've never seen it. Is this what it's about? Because this is badass. This is badass shit. So this dude, he's a double agent. And in front of HUAC, Chambers accuses Hiss of relaying classified American government information to himself. So Chambers is like, yeah, I was a spy. But while I was a spy, this dude was also a spy. So this dude's heavy ratting out this dude. This dude, double agent. Some double agent shit, okay? This guy is fucking double agent the fuck. What the fuck? How can you be a double agent? What? That's crazy. Crazy, man. This guy's blowing my mind. Like, Chambers was a badass dude. He also was fat as fuck. Kind of looked like, fuck it, what's his face? Like, Jackie Gleason? Maybe, I don't know, I can't really remember. You just I just remember him being a fat-ass dude, and it's like, how's this dude, how's this dude a, a Russian spy, you know? Well, I guess it actually fits him perfectly with America. But, you know, he, like, he, he would talk to a Soviet, and the Soviets would be like, I have no potato. And he'd be like, oh, you know, I'm just, so I'm spying on, excuse me, so I'm spying on this guy, right? Are you hungry? Sorry. Sorry. Yes, these are my food. Yum, 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 yum. And so he's just fat as fuck. He's just a big fatso. And so he's like, yeah, Hiss was giving me all types of shit while I was a spy. So he was spying. We were, we were doing spy shit together. So since Chamber was like a fucking double agent that was working for the good guys now, they were like, well, we believe you because you're a good guy now, right? And he's like, yeah, I work for Time fucking magazine bro i work for fucking I, I was a journalist dude like what what i was like a journalist for like 10 years like i'm fucking like you know you know like this is cool this is fucking cool and they're like so they totally believed him they totally believed him this time but it wasn't always like that okay they didn't believe him because chambers went to the fbi in 1939 when he initially turned and went back to the good guys, you know, the red, white, and blue. Not not the communist white and blue. The American, the true red, white, and blue. Okay? The true blue, red, white, blue. True, true, true. You get it. Fuck. You know, you know what I mean, you know? And then again in 1942, they were also like, fuck you. Fuck you. 
Because I don't know if they knew he was a spy. I should have probably looked into that. Did they know Whitaker Chambers was a former spy? I think they. I think he would have had to tell him that, you know. But he was like, "I'm a good guy now, right?" So like, so we're cool, right? And they're like, "I guess, I guess so." <laughs> Fucking whatever. So let's let's jump back a bit. Let's go from 1948 back to 1940s. <clears throat> In 1940s, the fear of the communist spread was not mainstream news. Things such as spies and double agents and all that Tom Clancy shit, like that only happened in movies, and in the movies it wasn't very good, and in like cheap books, and then like the pulps, I guess as they call them, and people will be like, that's low class, so you're low class, you're, you're trash if you're reading that shit, but let's admit it, people had to fucking start admitting to themselves, spies are fucking sick, okay, if you don't like spies, you're a fucking liar. You're a goddamn fucking liar. Go fuck yourself if you don't like spies. Spies are cool as shit, okay? In 1945, shit about spies changed. And also, and also something finally cool happened in Canada. That's more important. Something finally fucking cool happened in Canada. And Canada can be known for being some cool ass shit, even though it was, you'll, yeah, you'll find out. Okay, so in September 1945 in Ottawa, a man, after hearing that his family was to be sent back to the Soviet Union, Igor Gozenko made his family hide while he tried to share classified information with the Canadian government. Like he was a spy for the Soviets. Okay, he was spying for the Soviets in Canada, on Canadian ground, okay? He was stealing Canadian fucking secrets, and then he found out, that he was like, oh, I gotta go back to fucking so the fucking Russia? Fuck that, man. Russia fucking sucks. He actually, I guess he fucking liked Canada, so shout outs to Canada. I guess he fucking was like, yo, Canada's pretty sick. Actually, I don't want to go back to Russia, so instead of having to go back to Russia, he's actually, he was just like, you know what? How about fuck Russia altogether, I'll go rat these motherfuckers out. And so he hid his family, hid his family, and he went around and he was trying to get, like, to the embassies and, like, the police force, the RCMP, and all of them were just like, what are you, nah. And then he went back to his apartment the next day and found other Soviet spies looking for him. And then at that point, he's like, oh, shit, I really got to fucking get the fuck out of here. They're trying to kill me now. So he's got Soviet spies, Soviets now assuming he's turning on them, and he goes, so he's got to go back to the fucking RCMP, so, you know, because not, so anyways, not wanting to go back to Soviet Union since it sucked, he took all the information he had as a Soviet spy and took it to Canadian government officials. At first, he was turned away, and his family was almost killed by Soviet spies, because, you know, they went looking for him, okay? But eventually, eventually, I think the next day, the RCMP accepted to hear him out. Some of the information that Kazenko possessed was in regards to Soviet involvement in nuclear missiles. This And this information led to a plethora of arrests throughout Canada. And some of the information exposed through this would eventually become public... Public? This would eventually become public knowledge later on and known as Project Manhattan. 
That's right. This dude had the fucking... This dude had the fucking blueprints for fucking making nuclear bombs because Canada was involved in the actual making of Project Manhattan. And somehow this guy came and he ratted the... What if this dude took that shit back to Russia? Nope. I'm, maybe somebody else also had that information that was also a Russian spy and took it back, but that's pretty fucking crazy, right? That's pretty fucking crazy. And luckily, Canada... Luckily, I guess they gave that guy... You know, he they moved him, gave him a new name. They fucking got relocated. He's winning the witness protection. Dude, who knows? Maybe he's dead. I had to, I should I'll probably check up on that guy. Who knows? Who knows? What happened to you, Mr. Igor? What happened to you, Igor? He's just like, hey, I'm Igor. I am Russian spy. I have bomb here. And they're like, he's got a fucking bomb, eh? And he's like, I don't have real bomb. It's blueprint for a bomb. And he's like, this guy's got the cheat codes for a bomb or something. It looks like a map, but the map looks like a rocket. Hey, ain't that crazy? It's like, it's a bomb. I'm eagle. And they're like, this guy's crazy, eh? So, and then, you know, send him away. And the next day they're like, Hey, this the crazy guy's back again. Let's look at his bomb picture. And they're like, "Oh no, this real bomb picture. This this is our bomb. This is our bomb. This sh- he shouldn't have this. No, no, he, this guy, this guy shouldn't have this bomb picture. Where do you get the bomb picture? This guy's got. Where'd you get the bomb picture? I'm a spy. And they're just like, "What the fuck? What's going on, eh?" So, anyways. Let's get back to America. Uh, See, that was a little cool Canadian tangent, wasn't it? After the uncovering of the Canadian spy ring, American be- America began to fear that the same thing existed within their government. So see, we did something first for once, but not really because they already hated communists back in the fucking 1920. So Canada... I don't know. We're the the inferiority complex. It's still it's still a thing. Whatever that, whatever. Moving on, you know. So, anyways, now they're all like, "Oh shit, spies are real. Spies can get like crazy shit, and they can have nuclear bomb like maps and stuff, and they can learn how to figure out how to make our bombs, and that's not cool." And America's like, "That's hella not cool," and everyone's America's like, "That's not cool at all. That's not cool at all." So you know, between. 1942 when Whitaker Chambers was like hey man this guy's a spy and they're like fuck off and then when he went back in 1948 after all that shit happened they're like oh shit yeah okay let's check this dude out because this is like what the third time you said about something about this guy yeah let's let's check this guy out so in 1948, when former spy Whitaker Chambers tells the FBI and HUAC that Alger Hiss is a Soviet spy, they believe him because they're scared as fuck this time. They're super fucking scared of actual communists. They're like, holy shit, there's actually communists. We didn't want this to be real, but when it actually is real, that's terrifying, right? It's like, it's like horror movies. It's like, oh my god, this is so crazy when it's far away. And you're, like, kind of, like, scared. But then when it's actually, like, up close, you're like, oh, my God, a man with a knife to my throat is terrifying. I don't like this at all. Ah. So. <clears throat> so, throughout the case, 
Chambers insists that Hiss passed documents through communists. Hiss denied his involvement with Soviets and the Communist Party, so he denied it all. Hiss was like, no, that's not true. You're fucking, nah, I'm not with the Soviets, I'm not with communists, you're fucking stupid. And Chambers, well, he didn't have any fucking proof. So there was nothing that could support his claim. So then this divided this be, this divided everyone. They're like, so is this just blind accusations and stuff? You know? But then but then we got the Halloween season. And Halloween season's fun. Halloween season's fun. So it's kind of funny that we made that like knife analogy of it coming up close. So Michael Myers is right there now. He's right there, okay? So on October 8th, 1948, Hiss filed a libel suit against Chambers. Under pressure from his lawyers, Chambers finally presented the evidence that Hiss was in fact a spy. So he had this evidence the whole time and just wasn't giving it out because he's fucking stupid. I don't know. Maybe he ate part of it and was embarrassed. He's like, I ate half my... Eight half it, and it's like, well, fuck Chambers. Maybe you're not so fucking fat. You don't wouldn't eat thing. Like, if somebody, if you're a spy and people gives you documents, wh- what do you do? He's like, I just, I read it and I memorize it and then I eat it, and that's how I memorize things is by eating it. And it's like you're crazy, dude. You're fucking crazy, man. Like this Chambers, he's crazy. He's fat. He's stupid. Everyone in this st- situation is stupid. I think. I think. Who knows. Who knows? Maybe somebody's smart. Somebody's got to be smart in this. So he finally presents it. I don't know why that was so hard to present the evidence, but this evidence eventually becomes known as the pumpkin papers, you know, because he made it with a nice pumpkin pie, you know. These papers included notes in Hiss's handwriting, copies of State Department documents, and strips of microfilm film containing classified information. So microfilm is a picture you got to look under a microscope to see what's on it. Pretty cool shit. You know, that's how, you know, libraries, that's how they keep, like, old archives and shit through microfilm, and then you got to go take it. You know, haven't you ever watched, like, a National Treasure or any sort of treasure hunting movie? They all use that thing. Your library probably has one. Who knows? Do people even have libraries? That's crazy. Who knows? So, these documents were given to Chambers by Hiss, and then Chambers hid them inside of a pumpkin. Like, holy shit. And, like, Hiss was actually a spy. He was actually a spy, and he had the actual evidence to prove he was a spy, which now thinking of it, how... Who knows? Because if Chambers was previously a spy, couldn't he have just had shit from anywhere? Thinking of it now, yeah, this doesn't really add up. This doesn't really add up. Like, Algar Hiss may have been falsely convicted. May have been falsely convicted. But, because, yeah. Anyways, because we'll get into this. So, anyways, that he has the evidence... And he presents it. But, unfortunately, they cannot try Alger Hiss as a spy because the evidence was presented outside the statute of limitations at the time. So, however, he was tried for perjury and found guilty for lying in court. 
So he was sentenced to five years imprisonment, and he served three years before being released. So Albert Hiss may have unjustly served three years of prison time for papers that old fucking chambers probably just fucking forgot in a pumpkin. And it's probably just like, I'm going to make this into a nice pumpkin bye eventually. And then he just forgot to eat the pumpkin. And luckily there's still shit in there and we'll open it one day. He's like, oh no, there's papers in here. I can maybe use this. And he uses it against fucking Hiss. You know, who knows who actually gave him those papers? That's a good question, you know? That's another conspiracy. So, you know, but anyways, it doesn't matter if Hiss was guilty or not. With Hiss now behind bars, the commies were blackballed from Hollywood, and the fear of Soviet Soviets was, you know, the public was like, holy shit, there's, they're in Hollywood, they're in our own fucking, you know, they're in our own fucking departments of fucking government and shit. And then, you know, the fear of Soviets, it was beginning to skyrocket and the government was now able to capitalize of it. You know, they got everyone scared. Okay. And the, his case and all the spy shit going on, they was the perfect storm and Hollywood. It was the perfect storm for them to be like, okay, let's go skull fuck some commies. Okay. It was the perfect fucking time, right? So Hewak's proven to be right. Truac was, uh, Truman was, (laughs) Truac, Hewak versus Truac. So Hewak, they're right. Truman, he's looking soft. He's looking soft as fuck. And everyone's like, this guy should have been hard on the commies. This guy wasn't hard enough on the commies. And now the commies are here. Jesus Christ. It's like they came out of nowhere. What happened? So action needed to fucking happen, man. Action needed to happen. People weren't fucking cool with Truman anymore. So, you know, some other departments had to fucking step up and they get, they do it big time. They get buck. Big buck boys coming in. And the big boys come and the big boys are coming. The FBI and the Denny case. So, this brings us to the question. Who's the biggest narc in American history. Who's the biggest narc in American history? Answer's easy. It's simple. If you had to think about it, you're stupid. It's Jagger Hoover. It's Jagger Hoover. There's no other possible answer. It's Hoover. It's Hoover. It's who? It's Hoover. That's who. That's who. There's a lot of good stuff he did, okay? But there's a lot of bad stuff he did, and there will eventually be a whole episode about this guy. He's fucking... There's a lot of shit. But, uh, like... He's got the whole prohibition era. He's got the war on crime of the 1930s. But we're going to stick to the commies and what these and what the FUB, FUB, what are they? FI, they're in Grand Theft Auto, they're the FIB, right? Yeah. So in this, in the FBI, they're focusing on the commies, okay? So let's do some FBI commie stuff. Alrighty. So. In 1948, the Congress passed the Smith Act, or the Smith-Munt Act, which made it illegal for citizens to willfully advocate or track the duty of overthrowing or destroying the government in the United States by force or violence. So you can't, you cannot advocate to overthrow the government. So as What I've been doing the whole time on this podcast, willfully telling you to overthrow the government, 
that would be illegal. They would deem me a fucking commie. They'd be like, this guy's a fucking commie. Get him the fuck out of here. Kick him into the fucking curb. Kick him into the curb. Smash his head on the curb. Isn't that a hate crime? I don't fucking care. Do it anyways. Who cares? It's only a hate crime if he's black. Is this guy white? Is he white? Yeah, but if he's a commie, you know, that's not a hate crime because it's kind of like a like Soviet thing, you know? Can you have hate crimes against Russians? Fuck him! Fuck him up! Who cares? So we can do that, you know? So. This act was intended to stifle members of the Communist Party, even though most of them didn't intend to overthrow the government. They were just like, man, I like communism. Communism's, like, kind of cool. I think it's kind of sick. If communism hap, if we did happen to become a communist country, me, personally, as a communist, would think that's kind of sick, wouldn't it be? And then everyone in America's like, no, that's not sick at all. You're trying to kill us. You're trying to stab us all in the face. You fucking communist scum. And he's like, what? Just because being part of the communist party doesn't mean I want to stab you in the face. And they're like, yeah, what do you, what? What do you think it means to be a communist? And he's like, I don't know. I just think everybody should get the same. And they're like, here in America, communism means you're trying to stab me in the fucking face. And then they're like, well, communism has very different definitions where we're from. And they're like, hey, can we agree upon that? Can we agree to disagree at least? Whatever. So, you know, the act the act caught on, and by proxy, basically, communists were viewed as people trying to overthrow the American government. Even though they were like, no, I just like it. They're like, no, you're trying to stab me in the fucking head. And then everyone's like, he's trying to stab us in the head. Ah, they're trying to fuck my wife and stab me in the head. That's crazy. Commies are crazy. I don't think any communist fucked anyone's wife or stabbed anyone in the face. But, you know, I feel like that's what people thought they were going to do. You know, at least the way they acted, they thought that that was going to happen. It's kind of crazy, you know? So... The communists, they didn't have to show any kind of violence or action towards overthrowing the government, you know? If they were just like, hey, you belong to a communist organization, then that counted, and they were done. Under the Smith Act, they were just like, you're fucking commie, you're a fucking commie, you're done, get the fuck out of here. So, basically, you know, it just opened up the floodgates for really anybody to start being accused, you know? And members of the FBI and the U.S. government, they're fucking paranoid, dude. They're fucking paranoid of commies, too. They think that communists spoke with, like, an Aesopian tongue, like an Aesopian language, like Aesophables, you know? Like, meaning, like, things aren't exactly as they appear, and in order to hide the real intentions of themselves, a communist would never say what they actually meant. So if a dude could be sitting at the stand, be telling you the truth, being like, I'm not a fucking communist. Are you fucking crazy? And they're like, that's exactly what a commie would say, isn't it? This guy's a commie. And he's like, what the fuck? And they have to have like no... They have no evidence, and basically, they're just fucking proven people. There's like, there's a fucking, that's a commie. That guy's a commie. He's a commie. He's a, get that fucking red commie bitch out of here. And then, it, it was a mess. It was a mess. You could just accuse anybody, okay? In 1948, 
Eugene Dennis Denis. I don't know. You know, I didn't look this up either. If it's Dennis Denis, I'm going to go with Denis. Let's go with Denis. Let's say he's like a fucking, just like a slick, like Southern Cajun dude. He's like, uh, like a former, he's like a former New Orleans slave trader. He's like, yeah, I'm Eugene Denis. I'm the general secretary of the American Communist Party. Along with several others, I was arrested and convicted of having violated the Smith Act. So yeah, there, this dude, Eugene Dennis Denny, whatever, he was secretary of the American Communist Party, and he was, along with several others, arrested and convicted of having violated the Smith Act, despite no evidence suggesting any attempt intent to overthrow the government, Denny and the others were convicted. Although Denny appealed the decision to the Supreme Court, the court voted 6-2 in favor of the conviction standing. So, this dude, you know, he was part of the Communist the American Communist Party. So he's not, he's not a Soviet commie. He's like, I'm a pure blood commie, okay? There's two things I like. Triple A American steak, a beer, and everybody getting paid equal wages. That's the American communist dream right there, motherfucker. You got a problem, you got to take me down. I'm Eugene Denis, you know? I own slaves. You don't know that. And then they'd be like, what? So what if he took that approach instead of the, I am the Denis, I'm the commie. You know, if he went full, like, pure-blooded American, but was also like, equal pay, pussy! Then maybe they would have taken him seriously. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what happened to little old Eugene Denis or Dennis? You know, he really, you know, if I was his lawyer, I would have been like, hey, man, you're part of the American Communist Party. Play up that American. Tell them how fucking American you are. Be like... I like my pussy. I like farming. And I like Dallas Cowboys football. Ain't that right, boys? And everybody be like, yeah. Right? So, he, he, you know, he could have done better. He could have done better. Let's be serious. Okay? Rumor has it, the communist fear was so intense that the judge presiding over the Denis cases believed there was a communist hypnotist in the crowd. That's how paranoid this guy was. He thought that Denis got went ahead, he went and got like some fucking French mime or something to come in and be like, I want you to hypnotize the judge, you see? You come in, you'll be, he'll be like, Mr. Denis, take the stand, please. And, uh, and you go, and then when the judge looks at you, you make the thing with your things, and you go, and then he will fall into a trance, and then we make him, make me not guilty. Right? Yes. Correct. Mm-hmm. Or, if he was American, if he was the American, you'd be like, so, oh, there's three things I like, okay? I like pussy, Burgers, beer, NASCAR, and 
American clowns. Look at this clown right here. Look at him juggle. Look at that guy juggle. Ain't that right? Look at that guy juggling. Ain't th there ain't nothing more American than a fucking birthday clown. Ain't that right? Look at him juggling. He's juggling. And then next you know, everybody in the crowd is just hypnotized. And then he's like, look at this fucking guy. He just fucking hypnotized all you fucking idiots with his fucking juggling balls. You're all fucking stupid. Look at this. This is the American Communist Party. Okay? Fuck all y'all. America. Communism. See, the American Communist Party, there's, they, they, really, they really needed some branding problems. They really needed some branding. Their rebranding could have fixed everything about that party, okay? So, so the judge, he, he legitimately thought that there was a fucking hypnotist. So he didn't look up during the duration of the trial. He just looked down at his fucking papers and just like, blah, 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 making judge noises going, blah. Hitting his judge hammer everywhere. I don't know what they do with the gavel. They just, uh, whatever. So, anyways. So, Denny, Dennis, he went to jail. Four others were convicted, but they were able to flee town before they were put to jail. And who knows what the fuck happened to them. Who knows? Who knows? But overall, this case was viewed as a huge success for the FBI and gave them legitimacy to the anti-communist campaign that they were operating. This led to more public disapproval of the Communist Party and its members, and now Americans were like, communists are just seafold little pussies, they're the enemy, and now... The public hated commies too. The government has been hating commies for so long. And now they're like, we finally got motherfuckers to hate commies. Hell fucking yeah. We can finally fuck these people up. So now with the public approval through the fucking roof, the FBI began to grow exponentially in size and power within the United States. The FBI went from having... 3,559 agents in 1946, this having 7,029 in 1952. They essentially doubled in size in six years. The budget increased from 35 million in 1947 to 53 million in 1950. So I don't know, they're like, you guys notice a lot more fucking people around here? There's a lot more people in the office. It's like, yeah, there's about twice the people in the office now. We actually have to get another floor here. We actually, the FBI building, we need another floor. It's like, wow, that's crazy. That's fucking crazy. Like, yeah, man, Jay's doing a good job, you know? He really got people going here. And we're getting offices. We're getting offices. We're really taking off here at the FBI, okay? And then, so their budget, their budget, so the population or the uh, amount of agents went from doubled, basically, almost exactly doubled a bit more than doubled just a tad bit more than doubled the budget almost was eh, increased by like well i don't know we, we over 50 percent i think I, I don't know i'm doing quick math and then so and then in 1952 over 2 million federal employees were screened and over 20,000 full-field investigations were conducted. So basically, they got the okay to start doing shit, and they went the 
fucking work, yo. They fucking went off. The FBI's like, we're going after the commies. We're going hard. We're getting them. We're giving them no breaks. No breathers. These commies will never rest. The, so basically the FBI were the number one communist fighting agency in the world. They're basically, we're here to fuck communists and that's what we're doing, okay? I'm here to fuck and fuck communists and I'm all out of fuck and I'm ready to fuck communists. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. They're like, it doesn't matter. I'm here to fuck a communist. And they're like, that's what I like to hear. Okay, so trust for the FBI was through the fucking roof as well. Everything's through the roof. They had to get a new roof. They got to get a new roof. They're adding a second floor. The FBI's big. They're just they're taking off the roof. They're adding a second floor. That's how big they're fucking doing. Okay, so the FBI's the trust for them is huge. Okay, it's so much to the point where it allowed for them to perform highly illegal black bag operations. Okay, so these operations include illegal break-ins illegal wiretaps and electronic surveillance, illegal harassment, and counterintelligence programs, later known as Cointelpro. So basically, just a counterintelligence agency was just, you know, was formed basically by fucking around with Americans first. Americans were the guinea pigs for basically Cointelpro. They were basically like, so we're going to learn how to fucking spy on people and rig their houses. And, but the way we got to do it is we got to fuck with our own people first before we can go and fuck with other countries. And these are the same people that would eventually, you know, they'd fuck with all the mafia and stuff and they'd wiretap them. So they got all their practice in and learned the fucking tricks of the trade by just wiretapping people that really had no right to be wiretapped in the first place. They're like, let's go see what this bitch down on Fifth Ad's talking about. It's like she's talking to her grandmother a lot. What the fuck's going on here? Her grandmother's dead now. I mean, is she going to talk about the commies? Huh? It's like, well, maybe she's not a commie. It's like, there's no way she's not a commie. Everybody here's a commie. I told you. I'm spying on them. Like, of course, they got to be a commie. You know? So, basically, so the FBI could do whatever the fuck they wanted. You know? If you were suspected, you know, you were a communist, they basically, they would just be like, you're a fucking communist. Okay? Anyways, so as time goes on, more and more events occur that seem to confirm the radical measures the FBI has taken. So basically, the more they start just ruthlessly wiretapping people, the more shit happens. And they're like, well, now we're going to wiretap more. And the people are like, yes, yes, we got to do this. Wires need to be tapped. Okay? So... Basically, they're doing everything. So events such as like the loss of China, the communism in August 1949. See, I don't the whole China thing and their political thing. Apparently, they lost the China. I don't really know the Chinese politics, but that's when they were determined to become Chinese. And then I think because I think they're communists, but then Hong Kong is a distinct state. So, but anyways, I believe that happened in August. And I think that that means, you know, the Soviet A-bomb, they they developed their own bomb. Once the Soviets had a fucking bomb, then America was like, see, we got, they got a fucking bomb now. They got a fucking bomb. And America was like, what? We're not the only ones that can blow up islands now? And they're like, we're not the only ones that can blow up islands now. And then everyone in public's like, but we were supposed to be the only ones that could blow up islands. I thought we were going to be the only ones that could blow up Japan. I don't want Russia to be able to blow up Japan, too. Why are they able to blow up Japan, too? 
And then the government's like, well, hey, look, if we stop the communists, then they won't be able to blow shit up, too. And they're like, good, I don't want them to blow stuff up. We're the only country that can blow things up. So, you know, that further fucking, you know, that further validated the FBI being insane and wiretapping everyone. Guy probably wiretapped his own house. He's probably like, I can't trust myself. Who knows? I might wake up in the night and be fucking... I'm going to be a sleeper cell. Who knows? Who knows? If I don't wiretap myself, then how am I going to know? He's going to spend half the day listening to, the, to his phone taps from the fucking night before. So, you know, that's a hell of a life to be living. You know, checking yourself, making sure you're not a sleeper cell. Who knows? You might, you know, you can't trust anybody. Things like the The his case, even though thinking of it now, the his case might be complete bullshit. Who knows? But, uh... In the public eye, they're like, that's that's a win. That's a win for capitalism, democracy, fuck the commies. Um, then the Korean War started in 1950, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's more fucking Asians that are more fucking commies? Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you talking about? First China becomes commies, and now Korea's commie? Bro, what the fuck is going on? Who, the f- who else is a commie now? Is everybody commies? Crazy. So those were all things happening at the time. And now these, I think we're all caught up. We're all caught up. So those were all the things that built up to that day in Fe- on February 9th, 1950. The shit that McCarthy said in that town that I forget in West Virginia. I don't know. But we're back at McCarthy now, so fuck that guy. Let's 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 talk a little bit more. Sh- let's talk a bit more shit about fucking Tail Gunner Joe. That boring little prick, right? Now since we caught up, now since we know why it's gonna be like, oh look, look at all these crimes. Well, let's just fucking talk about that prick, okay? Let's do that for a second. time for an ad and I'm not making any money from this ad I'm just doing this from the bottom of my heart you know I don't even know if he agreed to to me for me to do this but I'm doing it again this week just because I want to advertise for the friends okay do you want to be the next Doja Cat do you want to be the next Doja Cat are you man woman cat Doja, it doesn't matter. You can become Doja Cat. We can turn you into whatever you want, okay? Cemetery Sound is going to turn you into a professional musician. You don't even have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. You just show up. You show up and you talk and you say things. And then those things are going to turn into Grammy award-winning songs, okay? Grammy award-winning songs. That's right. That's right. Okay, and you don't have to do anything, okay? Because Cemetery Sound, this is what we'll do. This is what Cemetery Sound's gonna do, okay? They're gonna, they're gonna make the music, the beats, whatever you want, whatever you want, okay? They're gonna make the album art. They're gonna record your beautiful voice or terrible voice, whatever it is, but they're gonna make it sound beautiful, okay? Then they're gonna make some pictures and stuff, you know? They're gonna, they're gonna release it. You're gonna have an album on Spotify. You want you want an album on Spotify? You want to get onto the rap caviar playlist, son? What do you want to do? You, you want to make it? Well, guess what? You got to get on Cemetery Sound. That's right. 
You gotta get the cemetery sound, okay? You gotta make a sound in the cemetery. I don't even know what that means. But you gotta do it, okay? Okay. Yeah. Cemetery sound for all your music production needs. You need art, concert bookings. Yeah, promoting. All types of stuff. Are you in the arts? You wanna be artful? Huh? Or are you just an Anthony Fantano bitch? Huh? What are you? What are you? What are you? Is this the most seductive ad you heard today? What about it be? That's right. That's right. Because every single song you make comes with a big old kiss on the lips. That's right. This seductive. Seductive. Seduction. Sexual seduction. Anyways. Let's get back to the show. Check out Cemetery Sound. Cemeterysound.com. Cemetery Sound. C-E-M-E-T-E-R-Y-S-O-U-N-D. Okay. Shockingly quick rise of Tail Gunner Joe. February 9th, 1950. Senator Joseph McCarthy has done nothing to indicate that he will be re-elected in his Wisconsin senator position. He needs to do something drastic to reinvent himself. You know, it's like something something drastic. This guy is just constantly, just trying to constantly just fucking impress people that don't give a shit about... He's got to do something, you know? He did it. This guy, this guy is crazy. He's, he's a con man. He's a boring ass. He's the most uninteresting, like, con man there is, okay? He, he cons high school. He cons university. He cons his way into a lawyer job. Cons his way into becoming a fucking judge. Cons his way into becoming a senator. And he's just boring. No one likes him. No one really cares for him. He's just useless, okay? So he has to reinvent himself again. Kind of like how he made himself Tail Gunner Joe, even though everyone's in the army. He's like, your Father Mac, dude. You're old. You're creepy. No one likes you. Stay away. Stay away. Father Mac, don't come back. Father Mac be smoking crack. Father Mac looking at a little boy want to put it in his back. Father Mac whack. What? They don't like Father Mac, okay? And as much as you want to be cool ass, Tail Gunner Joe... Your father, Mac, and you suck, okay? So, McCarthy, you know, he he took the route of fabricating complete bullshit to get people to like him. Because that's what has worked for him again. So, in February 9th, 1950, with his claim of 205 members of the government are active spies, McCarthy instantly became the face of of the current state of the Red Scare. His legacy became McCarthyism. He he became McCarthyism, okay? So basically, he so he gives a speech and he's like, there's 205 people that are communists working in the government and I have their names. He never had no fucking names, man. President Truman immediately discredits McCarthy's claims, saying there is not a word of truth in McCarthy's charges. Plain and simple. The president's like, this guy is fucking lying. 
And despite this, McCarthy travels around the world continuously. Like, he goes on tour. He goes on... Basically, McCarthy pulls out this piece of paper and he yells a number. And he says it's communist. And it's a closer. It's a closer. The dude got one bit and it's like a... It's a two-minute closer. That's all he got. He goes on tour with a two-minute closer. And that's all he got. He's got two minutes of material. Shows up, says, there's this many people that are communists. Everybody goes fucking buck wild. And then he's like, that, that's all I got. That, that's, all he's, that's all he has. That's all he has. But it's it it fucking kills. It crushes. It kills. This guy's a two minute fucking. This guy's got the greatest two minutes you'll ever fucking see live. Okay. Pulls out a piece of paper, says some numbers, says they're communists, and everyone goes fucking buck wild. People start fucking punching each other. It's crazy. This is the first time I've ever seen a mosh pit at a political rally. Okay. This is the 1950s. People didn't even know what moshing was yet. This was moshing like pre-punk. This was crazy. McCarthy was a trendsetter. Okay. <laughs> okay, like that shit's crazy. That shit's crazy, okay? So So he's on tour. He's on tour. Basically, and like the number he's flying like people dispute. People say, did he say two oh five? Did he say fifty-seven? But people only suspect he said fifty-seven. They think he saw a Heinz ketchup bottle, because Heinz fifty-seven. People think that that's why he said fifty-seven. Some people said it was 205. I don't know. As time went on, he just ma- he just pulled numbers out. He was just like, what number do I fucking feel like saying today? I feel like it was just one big joke just so eventually he could start saying 69 and eventually just be like, there's 69 commies. <laughs> and then he just thought that was funny, just saying 69. Maybe he was a child. Maybe that's all he wanted in life was just a little joy, just a little 69 joke to make him laugh. Just a little, just a little you know, just, you know, just something. Something to make him happy. So anyways, that scene of somebody claiming there's 57 communists, that was recreated in the Manchurian Candidate. I forget which year the original one comes out. Not the fucking Denzel Washington one. Not that shit. The other one, okay? So, when forced to appear before the Senate on February 20th, 1950, McCarthy is asked what the exact number was and where the numbers were, and, like, he just... Like claims he just knows. He's like, they're like, do you have any proof? And he's like, what, man? I just know. I just know. There's fucking communists here, man. Can't you can't you sense it? Can't you sense there's communists? Imagine he does that. That would have been sick in the Senate. They're like, so do you have any proof there's communists? He's like, proof. The fuck you know about proof? You know? Can't you sit here in the Senate, Your Honor, and think there's something in this room? There is something in this room, isn't there? There's a bunch of commies. That's what's in this fucking room, you know? And you're looking around. I see you looking around, Your Honor. And I see Your Honor. You're looking around at all the other members of the Senate, right? You're looking around at all the eyes. You're like, is that a commie eye? Is that, is that a good man? Is that a bad man? You don't know. You don't know. Guess what? I look in the eyes of people and I know. I know what's going on. And they're just like, McCarthy, what does any of this have to do? What does this have to do? And he's like, I know they're here, man. The commies are everywhere. They're like, this guy is fucking crazy. So, in March, the Tidings Committee investigations 
began. The tidings committee was assembled specifically to review McCarthy's statements and accusations. The government was literally like, this guy is fucking crazy. He's going around saying some crazy ass shit. We can't have this guy going around saying some crazy ass shit like unwarranted. And like he has literally like completely baseless claims. Like at least the FBI, what they did with our his, at least they had evidence that was either, you know, could have been real at least it was documents so they had something this there he has mccarthy has nothing on anybody he has fucking nothing on anybody so you know they were like okay so the government looked in the people who mccarthy had accused such as educator 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 owen Lattimore. despite having no evidence against Lattimore. His education career was essentially killed and he lost his role as consultant to the United States State Department just because McCarthy was like, you know, what the fuck? And even this committee, they looked into it and they couldn't find anything, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't like it because it wasn't HUAC and they couldn't overturn HUAC really. I don't think, I don't know much about the tidings committee, not going to lie but they were there, and the whole purpose was to basically look at McCarthy and be like, what the fuck is this guy doing, okay? So, the Tidings Committee published the majority report, which was their investigation into McCarthy's claims. The report had determined that McCarthy's claims are that of a hoax and fraud. The report states, we have seen the character of private citizens and of government employees virtually destroyed by condemnation on the basis of gossip, distortion, hearsay, and deliberate truce. So this committee is like, this dude is straight up lying. He has nothing. This guy's blowing smoke out in everybody's asshole. This guy's fucking crazy. This guy's insane. This guy is insane. People are like, what the fuck? I don't know, man. I don't know what the fuck, but you know, even though this committee's like, this guy's fucking horseshit, people are like, nah, man, this fucking commies. Public support was in favor of McCarthy. In polls, 70% believed McCarthy. And the reason they believed McCarthy, they were like, well, why would a senator lie? Like, if a senator said there were spies, there was a, then there's spies. Like, you know, like, why Why would there not be spies? And so McCarthy just started fucking accusing everybody. He would jump from one allegation to another. And by doing this, he actually managed to continuously damage the Democratic Party's reputation because they were in power. And basically, he's just throwing out baseless allegations. And since they're not getting convictions and this guy keeps saying there's spies and then people are like, well, then why are you not arresting the spies? And they're like, well, because there's not fucking spies, man. This guy's making up fucking spies. There are spies, but this dude's lying about the spies. So if he could just tell us who the spies were, are, we could maybe actually, you know, go forward. But this guy doesn't know anything about fucking spies. And then people are just like, well, fucking get rid of the spies, man. You know? And so... Basically, the Democratic Party's like, fuck this dude. We gotta, this guy's a fucking asshole. So fuck this guy. And he, 
McCarthy's on tour. He's on tour. He's just going around. He's just like, it's fucking sick, right? It's fucking, we're going around. Let's fucking do this. Hey, do, 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 do. McCarthy's fucking killing it. McCarthy's on tour. He's got a two minute closer. So, like, he, he's crazy. He's crazy. People are, he's fucking killing it. He's got one bit. He's got one bit, and it fucking kills. But, you know, once everyone sees your material, it only lasts for so long, right? You can only tell people the same shit for so long, and then eventually, you know, you, you become the boy that cried wolf, right? Right. Okay? And that's, that's what happens. And then the even quicker fall of McCarthyism. In the 1952 presidential election, Dwight D. Eisenhower wins to become the first Republican president in 20 years crazy right imagine that because now i think it's just constantly every eight years it's just been back and forth it's just fucking it's just potato you know there's one there's one bush then they pass it to me and i'm like i'm just getting some pussy man and then after me it goes to w and w's like i'm just trying to get some pussy too right and then me and george we're just trying to get some pussy right yeah that's bill clinton okay yeah i'm bill clinton Okay, so Eisenhower's fucking president. He's first Republican in 20 years. The Republican Party also has majority in the House of Representatives and the Senate. So they're killing it. They got Congress, Senate. They got, they got everything. They got fucking everything. So McCarthy, you know, he fucking, he thought he could do some more shit with the Republican Party. But despite being a Republican, Eisenhower hated McCarthy. He fucking hated him. He thought he was fucking useless. He thought he was boring too. He didn't... He saw through the fucking bullshit. You know, McCarthy's like, no, man, I'm Dale Gunner Joe. I swear. I swear I'm cool. But then it's like, no, you're not, man. You're not fucking cool, dude. And Eisenhower's like, you're not fucking cool. Get the fuck out of my face. So... You know, but he continued to work. He he didn't get rid of him, but he's just like, just fuck off to your back corner. The Eisenhower administration marked the beginning of the end of McCarthy as Eisenhower essentially decided to ignore the existence of McCarthy, disallowing any of his baseless claims to gain any traction. Over the next few years, McCarthy would even be gained you begin to attack the Eisenhower administration. So Eisenhower's like, dude, you're not, you have no evidence of anything, so just fuck off. And just, I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone, okay? And then eventually, McCarthy's like, nah, dude. Nah, dude. It's war now, buddy. It's it's war now, brother. You just got to Gunner Joe coming after you. Mm, yeah, brother, what you gonna do when Tilge Gunner Go calls a commie on you? Hey, what you gonna do when Tail Gunner Joe calls the FBI on you? And then Eisenhower's like, I'm the president. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you to go fuck off is what I'm gonna do because I'm the president. So you can go fuck yourself, McCarthy Hogan, man. Fucking Hollywood. See, you can't call him Hollywood because Hollywood is also like... Damn, but him doing him doing the Hulk Hogan voice is great. 
Joe McCarthy is Hulk Hogan. That's a, that's a great. I love that. I love that. So basically, um, uh, desperate for his claims to be taken seriously, McCarthy began to attack an organization that America could never allow to, to be home to uh, Soviet spies. So McCarthy was like, what's the one thing America would be like if you said, you know, the, the, they're commies, right? They would be like, what the fuck? No possible. There's, if what? No way. So the one thing he was like, what, what would really irk people? He's like, you know what? What if I just say the U.S. Army is commies? They're just commies in the U.S. Army. And they're like, but wait, what? That, that makes no sense, right? That makes no sense. So, in 1953, McCarthy began looking into the Army, trying to prove that members of the U.S. Army were, in fact, spies for the Soviets. Having no success in finding any spies, McCarthy basically just embellishes a story about this random dentist from New York named Irving Perez and Perez had been drafted into the army in 1952 and he was a member of the American Labor Party apparently you know he was probably just like a doctor I was like yeah I like fucking you know I like you know I like doctors working together making sure doctors have job security probably and he's not a communist he's not a part of the communist party but uh, basically, like, it was 1919. It was close enough for McCarthy. He's basically, like, this guy's close enough, right? This guy's basically a communist. And I'm like, you know what? The whole labor union thing, we're not as crazy against that now, right? You know? And McCarthy's like, well, fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. And then he would keep fucking going after. He swore there was fucking communists in the army. Until 1954, when the U.S. Army accused McCarthy and McCarthy's chief counsel, Ray Cohn, of pressuring the Army to give favorable treatment of their buddy, G. David Shine, a former aide to McCarthy and friend of Cohn. So, basically, they're like, they're bribing the Army to give their buddy, a higher ranking within the army, while also simultaneously trying to call the army a bunch of fucking commies. So, you know, not a good look for McCarthy. They're like, wait, but I thought you hated the army, so why are you trying to get your guy up in the army if you're trying to find spies in the army? Wait, are you a spy? I mean, who knows? Who knows what the fuck is going on, right? Who knows? So the hearings for the case went on from April to June of 1954, the hearings mainly focused on McCarthy's manipulation of the army, like, and the rankings and his, you know, trying to get his friends and whatever and nepotism you want to call it. I don't know, bribing. I don't know what you want to call it, the exact charges. But somehow, <laughs> the case also touched on other topics such as homosexuality and the definition of the word pixie, which I just think this is like funny which like while being questioned by the u.s army's lawyer joseph welch so joseph welch and joe mccarthy they get into a little spat where i think mccarthy was trying to call welch a pixie he was essentially trying to call him a fag that's what was happening mccarthy was trying to call welch a fag in court but he couldn't call him a fag in court so they had this weird sort of like awkward conversation about 
knowing what a pixie was. And this is before the pixies, the band. So, you know, 1950s, they're not discussing 1980s, 1990s alt-rock, you know? They're not talking about pre-grunge and proto-grunge music. No, no, no. They're talking about, you know, calling a guy a fairy, calling him a pixie. He's trying to call him a fag, but he can't. He can't say that, you know? You can't... You can't be in court and be like, this guy's a fucking fag. And they're going to be like, whoa, dude, you're a senator. You can't say that. But now, in 2020, apparently you can say it. Donald Trump's crazy. You can say anything, man. If you're a politician, just go out and say some wild shit. It doesn't matter. As long as you, like, don't say the N-word, you can base, you're basically fine. But it, apparently, I don't know, whatever. Getting off topic here. So they were, they were calling each other gay. They were, just, they were just fighting like little fucking brothers, basically. At one point during the hearings... Joseph Welsh demands that McCarthy presents his piece of paper that supposedly now has the name of 130 suspected communists. So, you know, that's gone that's gone down 75 people. His initial claim was 205. Now it's down 130. Where'd the communists go? Where'd those 75 communists go? Does, does he take a personal tab on them? Does, does he check every day? Does he call them up every day being like, hey, you still a commie? You still a commie? No? Okay, I'll take you off the list. You know, maybe yesterday before this trial, the day before, maybe he's like, hey, if you got me tomorrow, I had 131 suspected communists, but I called the guy and then he showed me. He was like, hey, I'm not a fucking commie. So, you know, take me off the list. And I was like, okay, you're off the list, you know, that easy, you know? So McCarthy maintains he isn't lying and baselessly accusing other men of being communist, even though he can't present the piece of paper. He doesn't have the fucking piece of paper. But he's like, you know, you blah, blah, blah. McCarthy is cut off. He's cut off by Welch. And Welch delivers a speech that effectively murders McCarthyism. Welch says, Senator, may we drop this? We know he belonged to the Lawyers Guild. Let us not assassinate this lad further. Senator, you've done enough. Have you no sense of decency, sir? At long last, have you left no sense of decency? So basically, they've now turned against McCarthy. Everyone in the fucking courtroom, where the fuck they are, they start cheering. They're all like, hell yeah, that's fucking crazy. Way to go, Welch guy. So basically, McCarthy called him a fag. Welch, upon being hurt with his homophobic words of McCarthy, then basically just straight up tells McCarthy to shut the fuck up. He's basically, in the most polite way, it's just like, are, are you going to shut the fuck up, dude? Just shut the fuck up. And everyone's like, yeah, let's just, let's, this guy shut the fuck up. And everyone cheers. And McCarthy finally, finally just shuts the fuck up. Finally, after not having any fucking evidence, finally shuts the fuck up. Hit the road, Joe. Just realizing now I should probably call this probably like hit the road jack or something. I guess I could change it any whatever. Who cares? By the end of the hearing in June 1954, public support for McCarthy had dropped to 34%. Republicans have effectively cut ties with McCarthy and his political career is basically over. He's 
fucking done, you know? McCarthy was also profiled on the popular show See It Now, hosted by Edward R. Murrow. There's the movie Good Luck and Good Night, which, or Good Night and Good Luck with fucking What's-His-Face, Church Clooney, I think he's in it. Uh, the profile piece also generated more anti-McCarthyism sentiments across the U.S. They're just like... We're sick of this guy. We're sick of this guy. He's got nothing. He's got nothing. Okay, we sat here for a couple of years. At first, we're like, "Fuck yeah!" Okay, nineteen fifty. We're like, "Fuck yeah!" This guy. But four years later, you, you've done not. You've got nothing. If I just yelled that somebody was doing something for four years, and for four years couldn't prove anything, most people will be like, "You're you suck." Firstly you either are really bad at finding spies or you're just a liar and you suck. Either way, you suck. So he sucked, you know? So McCarthy, people are like, fuck this guy, basically, across the U.S. now. So although, like, paranoia, it still permeated throughout the United States and the Hollywood blacklist was still in effect because Hollywood, Hollywood, once they blacklisted people, they're like, fuck them. And only some, as I mentioned earlier, we were able to make it back. So, but essentially McCarthyism was basically dead by after these hearings and after the, the see it now expose profile piece, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Joseph McCarthy continued to serve as Senator for the rest of his life, but uh, received very little support from peers. And even uh, in his later years, this is, this is, this is the cherry on the cake. In his later years, McCarthy became an alcoholic and developed cirrhosis of the liver, and then even eventually became addicted to morphine. So he's a fucking drunk, drug-addicted senator, just living in misery. Nobody fucking talks to him. Nobody cares about him. I don't think this dude was married. I don't think this dude had kids. Who knows? I, I didn't know. His, this dude was just so boring and bland. I can't imagine this guy having a family. Probably his family fucking resented him, too. His fucking family hated him. So, basically, you know, in June 1954, he's like, fuck, my life's ruined. On May 2nd, 1957, less than three years after he's essentially sort of ruined, Joseph McCarthy dies at the age of 48. Jesus Christ, he was, he died, he died fast, he killed himself, basically. The official cause of death was listed as hepatitis, but most suspected that McCarthy drank himself to death, and he was quickly replaced and forgotten about. Exactly like the people he baselessly accused and ruined. He fucked people over, and then at the end, he got his own. He got his fucking own. He just died in misery, which is the best way. This guy just ruined people's life lives. Like, you know, the FBI, they were sure they were taking extreme measures, but, you know, they were trying to do something. This dude just started fucking yelling shit, started talking shit, and, you know, he he barked, couldn't produce a bite, and then once people realized he had no bite, they were like, fuck you, and then they, he had nothing. He had nothing. And he couldn't, he couldn't fucking... He couldn't recover again. He had to reinvent himself for high school, for his fucking first fucking job, for fucking in the army. You know, now he had the fucking, after fucking losing, he had McCarthyism and now he lost that. And now he had to redo it again. No, man just killed himself. 
which is good. Which is good. Fuck that guy. Okay? So that's it. Joseph McCarthy's dead. He's dead. Um, so 1957, McCarthyism is dead because Joseph McCarthy is dead. He's dead. On May 2nd, 1957 is effectively the official death date of McCarthyism since McCarthy's dead. But no, there is still some Hollywood blacklist shit, a little bit of communist scares and stuff. You know, shit picks up again once, like, the Cubans come back. Like, we can go, like, you know, you know, whatever. The impact of McCarthyism was ruthless and enormous. Countless amounts of people committed suicide. People killed themselves because their lives were ruined by baseless claims. Tens of thousands of people lost their jobs from accusations. Um... The establishment of a communist party in the United States was basically uh, fucking impossible. Labor movements were stalled. Uh, Yeah, J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI were now able to basically just fucking go off and do whatever the fuck they wanted because they moved on to do fun things like uh, the civil rights movement and killing Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, You know, Vietnam, that whole disaster you know, killing JFK, all that fun stuff, that, that's all the FBI, those are all separate episodes of a fucking show, you know, that, who knows, um, all, those could all be episodes, I want, I want to do a Jagger Hoover episode, that'll be fun, and then briefly talk on all that, but just sort of stick to his fucking, he's a big-ass bitch narc, you know, that'd be crazy, a big-ass, a dude that's a bitch-ass narc, but actually has, like, the power to actually prove that, you know, you were doing what he was narking you on. Unlike McCarthy, he was just bitch ass. He was just 100% bitch ass. Um, so yeah, you know, that's it, you know, like, but closing, you know, even after the fall of McCarthy and McCarthyism, the fear of communism continued for the remainder of the cold war. You know, communist fears even exist today in the 21st century. Shit's crazy now, you know? And like, you know, the whole thing of McCarthyism is, it's a witch hunt. And I didn't want to say this throughout the whole fucking episode, but basically the reason why I decided to do this is because, you know, the notion of witch hunts based on political ideals and affiliations, that shit happens today. That shit still happens, okay? But instead, you didn't have to go out and publicly ruin your neighbor. No, now instead of having to appear before a public court of your peers in order to accuse somebody of being what you would deem, I don't know, not an ideal citizen or whatever, or they said something shit, like shitty, so you're like, I'm going to cancel them, you know, you can't just, now you can just do that on Twitter, and you can fucking ruin somebody on Twitter, you know, with baseless claims and shit, like, like, it, I don't know. It turns out witch hunting is one of America's favorite pastimes, considering they were the first to fucking do it. You know, they're like, these bitches are witches. Good ah! fucking Salem witch trials. That's another episode that I could do, you know. Um, but, you know, it's been proven time and time again. This is what Americans are good at. They're good at witch hunting because, you know, America, they're really fucking good at destroying people's lives. And they're really good at giving the government more reason to hate you as people. So, America, you just keep doing you, you know? You know, and you're going to be like, you know, the government, they don't trust us. And we don't trust the government. But, you know, it's a fun game to play. And now we're going to keep on playing it in 3D. Yeah! 
next week on Otis Morris Hates Himself. So that's it. That was the two-parter on Joseph McCarthy and McCarthyism, Red Scare, whatever you want to fucking call it at this point. Uh, yeah, dude was a big-time bitch. Gary Cooper's a bitch. High Noon sucks. I just keep thinking about how much High Noon sucks. That's all I've been thinking about. And, you know, I feel like people should really know that High, Mo- High Noon's a shitty movie. And, uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, so, you know, this one was about, uh, movies, there's, you know, there's a bit of Hollywood stuff, you know, uh, next week we're gonna do a little bit of the, uh, the music industry, cause I'm gonna be doing a, probably just a one part episode, probably about Lou, about Lou Pearlman, you know what Lou Pearlman is, he's the guy that discovered the Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, all those boy bands from that era, and then uh, he fucked all those kids and took all their money, and then operated a giant Ponzi scheme worth like, I don't know, billions of dollars, I think, I don't know the details yet, I just decided this is the topic, found a couple sources I'm gonna look into, and uh, yeah, I'll come back to you next week with an episode about a creepy fat guy that probably fucked Lance Bass, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. And, yeah, there's a lot of cool shit cooking up. I got some cool topics coming out, and I think you're going to dig it. So, fuck with me, right? Fuck with me. Hell yeah. All right. I'll see you next week. Bye.